O Lord Jesus, our great high priest, we pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit that we might see you this day. In your name we pray. Amen. Can you, uh, can you hear me in the back? Otherwise, it's pointless. Totally pointless. Thank you, Charlie Sharp. Well, uh, this morning we have uh, here one of the most difficult uh, books of the Bible to open up, and that's the book of Revelation. Uh, Most preachers aren't going to touch it with a 10-foot pole, uh, but thankfully I just have the prologue, the introduction, uh, so let's grab hold of it. And this morning it's a lot to choose, so we're really just going to look at verses 5 and 6, picking up actually at the second half of verse 5, where John writes... To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by the blood, by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Well, John has been given this incredible glimpse of heaven, and not just heaven, but he says eventually in chapter 21 that the old heaven and the old earth is going to pass away, and he sees this new Jerusalem, this heavenly city uh, where God dwells with his people who wipes away every tear from every eye, and there's neither pain nor suffering and death no more, and at the very center of the city is the tree of life. Now, this Sunday is often uh, set aside to uh, talk about Christ as king. And I think that we have a pretty good idea of who Christ is as king. Uh, We understand, especially from the book of Revelation, uh, that he has come to reign, uh, to reign over us. But the Bible talks about Jesus not just as king, but it also talks of Jesus as a prophet and a priest. Now again, the first two make some sense to most of us. We can understand Jesus as King of Kings. The imagery in Revelation is one of him reigning. We sing of the King in Handel's Messiah every Christmas. And we understand Jesus as the culmination of the prophets. And not just one who has spoken a prophetic word, but he is the very word incarnate. The very word that the prophet spoke has been made flesh. But a priest? How is Jesus our priest? Well, we need to answer that question before we can actually get to verse 6 this morning. That John says that we too will be priests like Jesus. Well... John does not mean that Jesus and you and I will become or are priests like me, like Andrew Pearson. The Greek word from which we get the English word priest is presbyter. Its translation is elder. So anytime in the New Testament, when you see the word elder, the Greek word used in the manuscripts of the early church was presbyter. But there's another word used for priest in the Bible, and it's hieros. And it's used here in Revelation 1.6, but it does not mean elder. It means the kind of priest who makes sacrifices in a temple like the old priest in the Old Testament in Jerusalem at the great temple. 
Now, we probably can grasp that we have a high priest in Jesus because of his once and for all sacrifice on the cross on our behalf. But it's a little bit more confusing to think, well, then how are we priests in God's kingdom? And so what does it mean that Jesus is our high priest? And what does it mean to be made a priest in his kingdom? One of the remarkable things about the Bible is that it reveals to us the very friend and mediator that we need in our lives. Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us of the very priest that meets our wants. Jesus is the very person that our longing hearts desire. Again, we're very good, probably, about understanding Jesus up to a point. We can talk a lot about his life, his ministry, his betrayal, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. But what about after that? We know that Jesus is in heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father. But what is he doing? Well, if you want the full detail, you can read the epistle to the Hebrews. Uh, But for this morning, let us think on how the Bible shows us that Jesus is our high priest. Christ as our priest is constantly representing and presenting the merits of his sacrifice for us before God. Now, of course, Jesus has no need to repeat that sacrifice that was once offered on the cross. But in some inexpressible manner, Jesus is in the Father's presence as the bearer of the sins of his people. The atonement made on the cross for us is kept continually in remembrance by the appearance of him who made it. Twenty-seven times the visions of heaven and revelation describe Christ as the Lamb. Twice they call him the lamb slain. Twice they speak of his blood. The priest who offered the sacrifice is always in heaven. The sacrifice is never forgotten in heaven. And so they that trust in that sacrifice upon the cross are always acceptable in heaven. Christ, too, as our priest, is ever interceding for us in heaven. He's praying for us. He is pleading for us on our behalf. It is written that he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. St. Paul asks in Romans, who is he that condemns? He responds to his own question by saying, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that. More than even that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. More than his death, more than his resurrection. It's not simply that Jesus died and was raised for us, but he continues to intercede for us to the Father. Jesus, as our priest, presents the name of his people continually before his father. The Jewish high priest had the names of the tribes of Israel engraved on the ornaments he wore upon his head and shoulders. And this was the figure of something which Christ is doing for us in heaven. He appears in the presence of God for us, the author of Hebrews says, and he acts as the representative of his people. Through him they are known and thought for in heaven long before they ever go there. 
He not only goes to prepare a place for you and for me, but do you know that Jesus is talking about you incessantly in heaven? We all run into those people who talk incessantly about their children or their grandchildren. Uh, My grandmother's favorite story of living in a retirement community in central Florida, where all people go to retire, uh, is uh, she was at the pool and uh, one of her friends had the grandkids there. And she said, oh, how old are your grandchildren? And she said, the doctor's eight and the lawyer is six. (laughs) Well, we, uh, we all run into people like that, but... It is music to the Father's ears to hear Jesus talking about you constantly. Christ, as our priest, presents the prayers and services of his people before God and obtains for us hearing, acceptance, and favor. Many of us in our own Christian walks, in our daily lives, struggle to pray We find our words inadequate, and we, like the disciples, find ourselves asking Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Not only that, but there are times when we are so riddled with guilt and our struggle with sin so apparent that we feel unworthy even to pray. We feel sometimes selfish. How can we, as broken and fallen people, ever pray to God as we ought to? Well, the priesthood of Christ explains it all. Placed in his hands, our prayers, endorsed by him, our petitions, like money signed by the secretary of the treasury, obtain a value that they don't have in themselves. I mean, that's kind of a funny thing about money. It's a piece of paper. right? And in and of itself, it, it has no value Whatsoever, But for what? We have two signatures by the Treasurer of the United States and the Secretary of the Treasury. And because of that, that which was valueless has value because of whose hands it was in and has been given to us. And so our prayers, which may not have very much value in and of themselves, have immeasurable value when they're placed in the hands of Jesus. A young Christian once said to an old one, my prayers are so poor and weak that I cannot think that they are of any use. The old Christian replied, only place them in Christ's hands and he makes them look so different in heaven that you would hardly know them. Prayers that are worth nothing in themselves are effectual when offered through Christ, for the sake of Christ, through the mediation of Christ. Christ, as our priest in heaven, is ever doing the work of a friend and advocate on behalf of his people. It's not for nothing that we are told that Jesus is at God's right hand. These words teach us that Christ is ever watching over the interest of his people and providing a continual supply of what we need. He that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He hears the daily confessions of his saints and grants them daily forgiveness and remission. And because... Jesus is our great high priest. 
as Hebrews tells us, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In order for us to be made priests in the kingdom of God, we first need to know Jesus as our high priest. In the Old Testament, if you were ceremonially unclean and in need of forgiveness, you went to the priest. That's what you did. Uh, They would minister to you in a way that they would sacrifice on your behalf or put forward an offering uh, on your behalf. And the most important day of days in the calendar was the Day of the Atonement where they would take two goats and they would cast lots and the loser goat... Uh, would have the sins of Israel preyed upon it, and then it would be set loose into the wilderness, representing our sins being separated from us as far as the east is from the west. Uh, The winner goat, if you want to call him the winner, was sacrificed. And then the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, the place where God dwelled, his Shekinah glory that was so overwhelming that they would tie a rope around the ankle of the high priest when he went in to sprinkle blood on the Ark of the Covenant. Why? Because if he died, nobody's going in after him. I mean, what happens when you actually behold God's glory, when you see it uh, for who he is? You die. And Moses even asked, Lord, I want to see your glory in Exodus 33. And God said, you cannot look upon it for you will surely die because you are mortal and you are sinful. But I'll tell you what, I'll put you in the cleft of a rock and I will cover you with my hand. And as I pass by, I will remove my hand and you can see my back. But for you to gaze upon my face would completely undo you. We have a great high priest who goes into the holiest of places on our behalf because of his own sacrifice, his own blood for us. And thereby we are made priests, which means what? That we now have unfettered access to God the Father, that there is no longer any separation between us, that we can go boldly to the throne of grace without fear of death or judgment. John continues in the book of Revelation and eventually talks about this new Jerusalem coming down. And he writes that it is dazzling and bright and yet there is no sun and there is no moon. It is the glory of God himself that lights the city. And rather than shielding our eyes and coming undone and even dying, his saints, his priests, bask in his glory and radiate with his light. Bishop J.C. Ryle says, asks the question, how will Jesus return? Well, he will not come in weakness and humiliation as he did the first time. He will come as he told Caiaphas in the judgment hall, in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He shall come attended by thousands of ministering angels with all the pomp and majesty that will befit the king of kings. Before his face, the frame of this world will be shaken to the very center. It was shaken when the law was given on Sinai. 
It was shaken again when Christ offered himself for our sins on the cross. How much more shall it be shaken when the throne of mercy shall be taken down and the great high priest shall return in power to reign? The earth quaked and the rocks rent and the sun was darkened when the great high priest of our profession shed his atoning blood for us on Calvary. Much more then may we expect signs and wonders when he appears the second time without sin unto salvation. When we die and we are with the Lord or when the Lord returns and we're called to his side, we will be made like him. We will be priests. In this new Jerusalem, there is no sun or moon but the glory of God himself. And we are able to now dwell in the Shekinah glory of God because of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our high priest. God, by the mercies of Jesus Christ, has made us his sons and daughters and given us a heart to approach him boldly. Our hearts cry out, Abba, Father. The word Abba means Daddy. That is the kind of access that we have to the Father through Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, that the reality of what you are doing for us even now on our behalf at the throne of grace, we pray it would sink deep root into our hearts, that we might live out this truth in our lives, that we might live lives of boldness and mercy and grace resting in you, our great high priest. Amen.